Thanks for joining us for the Long Island Sound Podcast. Each week we explore new music and dive deeper with the artists and their stories behind the music. Please subscribe and rate and review us wherever you stream this podcast. Here's your host, Steve Yusko. What a blast I had with today's guest, Jenna Torres. She was a single mom shortly after 9-11 in the music business, but then became very prolific in writing songs. Well, she was found out by a producer in L.A. and dragged out to Nashville, where she became a country star. You're going to find her music very soulful, very inspiring, and I know you're going to enjoy this episode. So let's check out Jenna's song, Just a Mountain. Everything was fine I was heading toward the setting sun One step at a time I'm used to what I'm used to And I don't much like change But this road I'm on is getting steep And all that I can say is It's just a mountain Feet don't fail me now It's just a mountain I can't get there lying down Gotta dig down deep, keep holding on Don't give up, keep rising strong Ain't no way to go around it It's just a mountain When the bitter wind is blowing Chills you to the bone You got miles and miles beneath your feet it Makes you feel alone Comes up out of nowhere Tries to stop you in your tracks. You gotta find your way up somehow, cause there ain't no turning back. It's just a mountain. Feet don't fail me now, it's just a mountain. I can't get there lying down. Gotta dig down deep, keep holding on. Don't give up, keep rising strong. Don't fail me now, it's 
Jenna Torres is an artist whose musical career took an inspiring turn in the desperate months after 9-11. As a newly single mom, she found refuge in her songwriting, working a day job just blocks from ground zero. The song she wrote at the time opened doors she never expected and gave her the opportunity to follow her dreams. Jenna knows a thing or two about traveling the rough roads and driving headfirst and all into all that life and love have to offer. I love that line. I didn't write it. <laughs> Jenna's solo career has a string of albums, which we'll dive into today. In her forthcoming album, Heaven and Hurt, Jenna continues to offer hope interwoven with heartache, gratitude, and a strong dose of reality. Originally from New York and now residing in Nashville, I am so happy, and I mean this, Jenna, to welcome <laughs> Jenna Torres to the Long Island Sound podcast. Jenna, so great to have you. Really my Thank pleasure. you, Stephen. It is a pleasure for me, too. I'm thrilled to meet you. I So this happened really kind of quick for us, and this is kind of like yeah. speed dating, you know, yes, interviewing exactly. you. Yes, <laughs> um, exactly. And, you know, I listened to your songs, and, you know, one of the first impressions I got is, holy crap, you really bear it all out there and and do it in the first person, which is, um, I don't know, it's got to be difficult. It's really, I, I, I love that about what you do. So how is that as a process when you put out a song that's so close to your heart and your experiences and now it's out for the world to hear? What's that like? It is, uh, it's an exercise in absolute vulnerability for me. Um, I guess at some point I came to the realization that the value of doing this mm-hmm. comes from, is, is equal to the risk I'm willing to take. Okay. If I'm not willing to risk being seen, then I have, I've sort of shortchanged myself and I've shortchanged the person who receives the music. So, um, you know, I I think in my case, it it is a byproduct of maturity that I have come to a place where I really would rather stand almost naked before you and Mm -hmm. not hide than, you know, than do all the hiding that I I think I've I've really attempted to do in my life, you know, just kind of dodging. And putting the mask on, right? And putting the mask on. And, you know, it's funny because as a person, as a woman, I tend to, you know, get all dolled up. And, you know, I think, people make assumptions about a woman who tends to put herself together a certain way. But through the music, I always say, like, if I can get them to look, I can get them to listen. And if I can get them to listen, I can get them to hear. And I am a person who needs for her heart to be heard more than anything else. You know, um, this is show business. So, you know, we do kind of get dolled up and and you know wave a shiny something so that look over here look over here i mean we live in a culture now where people are constantly vying for attention in sure. in, in visual medium so um i guess for me to the, the i'm fascinated by the juxtaposition of being something shiny and then you know but the gold is is deep deep inside i'm into like buried you know deep gold so um you know, that's it, you know it's you know it's interesting i just you know the dolly parton's all over the news lately yeah. and it's just, it's the same aspect of things as far as hey you know what um you, you got to attract people 
Yes. And and she's she's an an amazing talent. Oh, it would have been very short lived I mean, if she was just yeah. dressing trashy and yeah, yeah, you know, it's true. Put, putting the, the the girls out there to so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she carried it through, and yes. you know, she's she's true to to herself and, and she, what she is does true to her herself. Club. Yep, absolutely. And I think, I mean, obviously, she's probably as uh, much of a spirit animal to me, and you know, I adore her, and uh, I. I truly relate to that sort of um, uh, juxtaposition of a woman who's kind of turned up to 11, but at the same time, she's really speaking from the heart. You know, she is the most honest and heart-centric person that I can think of in mm -hmm. the entertainment industry. And she shows us over and over again, time and again, that her heart is really what matters. It's, it's, it's not the blonde, you know, it's not the blonde hair and the big boobs. It's really her heart that absolutely radiates. And, uh, that's what I relate to that. I do powerfully yeah. actually. Yeah. You know, you know, it's interesting from, from my position, uh, and we spoke about this a little bit before the interview, I'm really enamored by songwriters, people who can yes. put their hearts out there and do it and yeah. say, and I've said this before, when I can tie into a song, uh, particularly the lyrics of the song, it can speak to me in a way that I may never be able to express myself or be open to being empathetic to somebody else's position. Uh, yes. You know, I can't write as a woman, but I can understand maybe a little bit where, where yeah. you're coming from with that. Sure. And that vulnerability, you really hit the nail on the head, that vulnerability of putting that risk out there is really where you need really need to be. But then I'm going to turn the coin on you a little bit. Okay. In that, um, and I spoke to other people about this. You know, everyone has a different way to attack the muse. Mm -hmm. And yeah. uh, you know, I, I'm thinking of Taylor Swift right now, where you yeah, know, sure. you don't you don't want to be Taylor Swift's ex boyfriend. You know, uh, nope. unless you want you want to be uh, in, in infamy. You know. Yes, that's right. But there's got to be that point where I, I ask you this: Do you, in being transparent with yourself and putting a lot of your emotion in, do you ever yeah. take it and then try to put it into a character and, and work it in a different way? Well, um, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I always say, if you want to live forever, love a songwriter, because <laughs> um, we do tend to share our truth and our experience. And I personally am an experiential songwriter. I have to okay. live it to write it. If I haven't lived it, I'm probably not going to write about it. Um, there are many writers who write through observation. They can mm -hmm. sit across, sit at a restaurant, across the room, they see a couple arguing at a table, and they can write the story from, from that perspective. I have to be the couple that's arguing. I have to be in the couple that's having the argument in order for me to be able to really turn it into something. I need to feel it. Like, so my songs are, are, are my songs, you know, they're my story. Um, right. They're your children really when you come they out. Are. To it, right? They, you they look at them are. As your babies. And um, as far as turning into a character, I, you know, I kind of have a very larger than life view of the world. I'm very deeply romantic, like a hopeful romantic rather than a hopeless romantic, I tend okay. to romanticize life and kind of blow it up bigger than, than most, you know, I, sure. I think I, I'm coming from a, a very emotional life, internal life. It's, it's very um, active. I'm a very emotionally active person. And it's not hard for me 
to feel, I think I do feel other people like empathetic and from an empathetic standpoint. So mm -hmm. I, I'm not, I wouldn't be at all surprised if without knowing it, I'm incorporating other people's experience and other people's emotions into my songs. But usually the voice in my head is my own. You know, it's not somebody else's voice like, oh, I heard so, so and so say this. So I'm going to say it in a song. You know, usually it's something that comes to me or through me um, that's deeply personal. And uh, I don't know if I answered your question, but... No, no, um, you, no, no you, you did, because it, okay. it kind of gives... It's nice because you're giving a way of how you approach the muse. And I've asked yes. that question a thousand ways and gotten yeah. a thousand different answers, and it depends on sure. the person. Yes. Um, so that's really cool. But And, and you know what's funny? is in, when I research an artist and I'm looking through, you know, Facebook page and stuff like that, and certain yeah. things kind of jump out at me. And uh, the one thing that I recognized in you is your sense of gratitude and feeling a, a blessing. And you, you seem to, um, uh, not afraid to say, hey, you know, you're counting your blessings in some of the posts that you put up. And I yes. think for a person, and take this from an old guy now, is if you can wake up in the morning no matter what's going on, and you know, my daughter was great with this, says count mm. the things that, that are really good. Yeah. Uh, they may not outweigh the, the rotten things or the crap you're going through, but it'll give you a perspective and a, uh, a position on how to look things. And it's, it's constantly, rem we're reminding ourselves of that, and that's where I think music in particular, I'll get off my soapbox shortly, uh, no is, really helps you heal the, heal the world. Uh, through that, those, you know, we constantly need reminders to say, you know what, it's, I don't got it that bad, you know, right. no crap happens. I know it's easy. It's very easy to forget since we are faced with so many challenges and um, without realizing it, I think a lot of the material on this record really addresses that. I mean, mm -hmm. I really do talk a lot. Uh, it just happened that way that quite a few of the songs really address the dichotomy of life that we even in our darkest hour we still have things that we can have gratitude for mm -hmm. and uh, if you can remember those things you can live a better life and Absolutely. you can yeah you can feel the sunshine even when it's raining you know right hey, let's do let's do this let's just take a quick break okay and when, when we come back i really want to turn the pages back because in the introduction that i read it yeah. is very interesting. I, I want. How did she get this break? How did, how did she end up in Nashville? Yeah. How did this all? How did this all come together? And I'm telling you, the people listening to this podcast right now are on the edge of their seats. I can feel it. <laughs> want to know? How could I do what? How could I get the break that Jenna sure. got? So, yeah. stick with us, everybody. We'll be back with Jenna right Torres. We got. We got lots to talk about. We all do. Right. <laughs> all right, hang in there. At the Long Island Sound, we're much more than a podcast. We're building a community. Please go to gigdestiny.com, check out all our social media links, subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast, please comment, call the listener line, tell us what you think, what questions we should ask, who we should have on the show, and most of all, we thank you for your generous support, and remember, support the artists who are guests on the show. Now back to the podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back, we're with Jenna Torres, I'm Steve Yusko, host of the Long Island Sound, as you know, because you see my ugly mug with the white hair all the time. And uh, 
during the <laughs> thanks during you're being very kind during the as my wife says i have a face for radio so that's why it's very scary <laughs> i put an avatar up um so i was really interested in your story in new york um we all went through 9 11 my you know i've lost friends and acquaintances uh uh through 9 11 and my brother was a steam fitter right down there in a building wow. uh, to, the, to yeah. the side and literally ran to uh, City Hall and got on the last subway out uh, before Amazing. that. So, yeah. so tell me about your story and how okay. the solace of songwriting helped you. Um, well, on the morning of 9-11, I was dropping my little daughter off at school, uh, the little red schoolhouse on 6th Avenue and Bleecker Street. Okay. which was a direct shot to um, the World Trade Center. Sure. And I was, it was about eight, I don't know what time it was, 8.07 or something like that. Uh, nine, standing, just, just after nine, I think, really. Just, just after nine. Um, and I was talking to a mom, just like I'm talking to you, looking straight at her. And mm. over her shoulder, I saw this little black bug fly mm. into, the, into the World Trade Center. And as mom, you know, the parents, it was just dropping, drop off. And we all turned wow. around and watched the entire thing, grabbed our oh children, you know, after the second uh, plane hit and, and ran as the dust clouds were coming, billowing up 6th wow. Avenue. We, we, wow. we really did run for our, our lives and that's how it felt. Mm. And, um, but I watched the whole thing and then uh, it was it was a demarcation point in my life. It was that day that I came to the realization that my marriage should should not go forward um, okay. because I figured, well, if I was going to live to see tomorrow, it needed to be a different tomorrow okay. than the life I had been living. So um, it really was on that day that there was a tectonic plate shift in the world. Wow. Everything right. changed from yep. a you know, a, a micro and a ma macro, you know, uh, the whole world changed and I changed right along with it. And mm. in my own personal case, it was a moment of realization where I just thought, all right, you know how in life we accept things and we go on and on and on and on. But right. at some point you come to this realization or hopefully you do that you need to live the life that you see for yourself. And so it changed everything for me. And, mm. um, my first job after my separation was uh, after the quarantine lifted and we were able to go downtown is I, I got a job in real estate showing apartments one block from where the World Trade Center oh stood at 110 Greenwich Street. So that is literally one one block. And when I would wow. take people and it was 97 percent vacant, 97 percent of the tenants fled, leaving behind their you know, apartments filled with their belongings. Sure. You know, I open the door and see the flat screen TVs and pictures of families. And, wow. you know, I mean, just gone. They, they were right. out, you know, and, um, but I had, you know, a key ring with keys to all these apartments and uh, nobody really wanted to see them. I mean, you know, very few people were trickling down there to, to move oh, in sure. to basically yep. a war, war zone. And when right. I would take people up to see the common area, you just look right down into the crater, you know, into the pit. it yep. was, yeah, it was a deeply um, wounded part of our world. You know, it was just, mm. I, I was sitting on a wound and, right. um, 
it didn't take long for me to realize that very few people were going to come during the day. So I had all right. this time to myself and I started bringing my guitar to work and I would just go into these apartments where some of them were, you know, empty and I would just sit and I could just hear, you know, the voices of the departed. I could feel the energy of the mm. thousands of people whose souls were kind of, you know, separated from their bodies on that day. It was, yeah, it was instant, quiet, yeah. it was empty, but it was full. And right. the fullness, wow. I allowed that fullness to kind of come inside of me. And, mm. and it pushed my emotions out. It gave me a chance to kind of separate from the chaos of my own life and welcome in this incredible kind of spirit that filled me with the need to express myself creatively. And I wrote a bunch of songs and as you know, fate would have it and luck would have it. Those songs, I demoed those songs. I mean, for very little money, right? I made very few copies. I handed them out to a bunch of friends. Um, I think I made 50 copies to be honest. Okay. CDs <laughs> and, or cassettes? Um, CDs. Okay. CDs. Okay. We we were in the CD era. I, I'm. I'm All right. Okay. I was around just, just for getting everything. Just getting the timeline to together. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, they were CDs, and um, and I handed them out, and uh, and and one of them made its way to uh, Warner Music, and uh, Edgar wow. Bronfman listened, and he liked what he heard, and um, he sent it to uh, A and R at Warner Chapel, New York, Nashville, and L A. And it got passed on in New York and it got passed on in Nashville. But lo and behold, uh, Judy Stakey in Los Angeles heard it and she she called me up and she said, you know, I don't know what it is, but I hear something. Wow. And if you ever and if you ever get out to LA, I want to meet you. And of course my life was basically in shambles at the time because sure, I was sure. just getting divorced and and uh, trying to figure out how to take care of my kid and um it took me almost a year before I made it out to LA, but wow. I did make it out to LA and I met her and it was within 24 hours. She offered me a deal and, uh, I got off that plane and the phone rang. <clears throat> I, I, and you know, she'd spoken to my lawyer. <clears throat> it all just happened. It was just wow. absolutely now, let incredible. Me, let me ask you this. You said you had a guitar. So had, had you played music? Had you been out doing games oh, yeah. and stuff like that? Okay, okay. all right. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. it just—I mean, you I just didn't pull the guitar to make music. It just wasn't. Okay. It, this was okay. this was the moment at which I was kind of sanctioned, you know, like you know, yes, we dub you officially a person in music. You know, prior to that, it was just I was just doing what I wanted to do my way, and not many right. people were paying that much attention. Although I was playing, I've been playing in bands for years, you know. Okay. Um, okay. But I think that that was really, in many ways, the birth of my own voice as a songwriter. And it's very different to just be a singer and, and a performer and a songwriter. Songwriting to me is the ultimate, it's the perfect vehicle for emotion. Uh, if you ask me, it, it, there is nothing like a song to mm -hmm. convey uh, my, you know, to send my heart directly to yours. I'd rather use a song than any other form of communication. You know, it right, is right. magic when you marry words and melody and music. It's like <laughs> it's it's magic. It really is. All of a sudden you put wings on 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 a heart, on a soul, and it can get from me to you and penetrate through all that stuff, 
all the intellectual bullshit that we, you know, kind of hide behind, it just pierces right through and gets to the heart of the matter, which is kind of all that matters to me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, what's, what's interesting, you know, and I'll give you my perspective, you know, as a guy, you know, uh, I can't have babies and have that kind of creativity. Right. So there's that, that need to create, uh, I, I, I find a need to work with my hands sometimes. It's just so I have something physical to say, Hey, look, I did that. Yeah. You know, right. you know, I made a desk, I made a chair and there's 10,000 chairs out there. But when you write a song and you have that magic, whether you're a soul, what I call a soul practitioner, where you're doing the, the music and the lyrics, or you uh, are fortunate enough to have chemistry with somebody to, to have them do lyrics and and vice versa. Uh, I think it's really something special and there's no other song. There's no other thing like that. I mean, how many things can you say that, you know? Yeah. There's thousands of songs, but there's no song like the song you just did. Right. That's right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, (laughs) it's great, man. I'm telling you right now I can see, I can see the people listening to the podcast driving with envy going, Ah, I should have put that demo out years ago when I had that opportunity, you know. Well, I am here to say that um, my dad always used to say, and I know it wasn't his quote, but he said, life is made sweeter by risk. And um, I genuinely believe as hard as it is and as scary as it is sometimes, Mm. uh, it's usually worth the risk. You know, if it's a creative risk, take it. Just take it. Right, right. It's interesting. I, mean, I just want to make yeah. one other comment about 9-11. Sure. You're, you're the second guest that I had uh-huh. that had a fascinating 9-11 turning point. And I'll, I'll just plug this other guy. He's a, he's, he's a post-punk guy. The guy's name is uh-huh. uh, Blake Sandberg. Lived right down uh-huh. there as well. Really? And uh, he's both a, a visual artist and he was mm-hmm. open. On 9-12, he was due to open his studio. Uh-huh. On 9-11 yeah. happened. And his parents came in from like Virginia or North Carolina or something that day. And it was just like uh-huh. this, unbo- and he suffered horribly from the, uh, the dust. Uh, oh yes, absolutely. Can that. And, and I still remember, I still remember this because uh, I was in sales like I am now traveling down there. I'm like seeing people with masks and in my smarmy self. Oh, what are they doing? Wait, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it, they said it's okay. <laughs> right. Uh, foolish, yeah. foolish me. Right. <laughs> sure. Well, we didn't know, you know, all right. So now you, you get the record deal. I the one thing I can't believe it was a publishing uh, deal, actually. Publishing deal. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so meaning, uh, explain that to the novice in me. When, so when what a publishing, a publishing deal, deal basically is is that you kind of you write for a living. Um, you, yeah, you write for a living, and certainly in the genre, of certain genres, writers are uh, more essential than others. Like a lot of mm-hmm. genres, the writer and artist is one and the same. In country right. music, traditionally for many, many years, frequently the artist is not the writer. So there, you know, there's the writer and the artist. And uh, still a lot of the top 10, top 20, top 40 artists in, in country in particular, um, although nowadays uh, artists like to be a writer on the song. Um, but yeah, because they, they change one word. <laughs> that's right. They change one word and they're like, I, I wrote that, you know, uh, because it's become so such a critical uh, revenue source for artists. I mean, there aren't that many left where you can actually make a living. You know, right. the writing and publishing and licensing of a song is still one of the few ways that you can make some 
you know, you can make some money. And, um, but yeah, when you get a publishing deal, I mean, I still, I remained an artist throughout, but the idea was that I would write songs, not only for myself, but for other artists and, mm -hmm. uh, and it gave me an opportunity to, to write and to write for a living. And, and, uh, depending on what kind of a deal you get. Um, I got, I got a very good deal with Warner at the time where, you know, I got to retain some of my publishing, retain my writer's share. And then it's their job to try to get those songs, you know, recorded by other yeah, artists. They're hawking the song. Like, like, right. And I don't exactly. mean that disparagingly, yeah. but hawking the song. No, but that's what it is. They pitch it, they plug it, they try to get it out there. Yeah. So, the other day, I was with my friend Mike Nugent, who's my guitar mm -hmm. teacher, although he'd probably never say that publicly if you heard me play guitar. <laughs> uh, Mike Nugent's a great guy, and uh -huh. uh, he just put up another CD on CD Baby. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm helping him with it because um, he's not that computer literate, and he's like, okay, this is my, I'm, I'm also my publishing company. And yes. I said, gee, I said, why do you do that? He goes, because then you don't split the money. You know, right. you have the writing, you're the artist, and you're yes. the publisher. That's and I was right. Like, oh, I learned yes. something. Yes. And even even if you had a publishing deal, you'd still want to have your own publishing entity because right. um yeah, you you collect from both sources. Yeah. Okay. All right. Mike is validated, Jenna, since yes. you, you you doubled down he on that. Is. Then we... That's right. Oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> He's doing it right. <laughs> All right. So now take me after this publisher. Did you stay in New York? I mean, where where did your oh, life so, um, start going you know, from that point? It was kind of a package deal in that Judy said to me, you're going down to Nashville. And I was <laughs> okay. like, well, I'm going where? I'm doing what? You know, because as a kind of writer, organically, with no one influencing me, I had a tendency towards kind of country ish music i mean okay. i i consider my music sort of a hybrid of a, of a number of influences um none of which i'm really aware of they just came into me and come through me but mm -hmm. um she's like i'm sending you to nashville so on their dime uh i started cool. making regular trips to nashville uh and you know i'd show up and my my schedule would be full i'd write from monday to friday and then go back and take care of my kid and you know so um it basically one week a month i would spend in nashville writing and uh that went on for a number of years and it was oh, absolutely magic yeah really uh, yes <laughs> it's yeah. i i went to nashville over a year ago it was a zoo uh -huh. by the way uh yes a lot oh, of it bridesmaids. Is a zoo. yes it's, I it's, know. it's 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 like bridesmaid drunken disney to a it certain is. extent it, it really is it's become you know the the world's most popular destination for bridesmaids so yeah you're going to get a lot of drunken disney a lot of yeah drunken except at the end of may and june and when it's uh tremendous heat and humidity that's right <laughs> and where the brides are melted on the sidewalk they melt actually they melt all all throughout the season so i don't think it's exclusive to the summer you can find you can find them littered on the streets. It's like they only stay upright for just so long, and eventually they kind of they they down. topple over. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about uh, our audience heard just a mountain uh, coming yeah. into the podcast, which gave us yes. a, a good experience of your music. Tell me how that came about. Is it on your latest album? Kind of position. It is on my latest album, and the song "Just a Mountain" came about because. I, just like pretty much every other human being I know, uh, faces challenges and hardship. And I guess 
you know, sometimes they come at you and they're huge and you just don't know how you're ever going to get over it. And mm -hmm. I think it was my way of saying, it's just a mountain. You know, we all have to, we all have mountains to climb and yep. uh, it's just one more mountain. And, uh, you know, in my experience, I've been around long enough to have climbed up and down many, many mountains, right, you know, right. uh, emotionally, physically, spiritually, and psychologically, uh, all kinds of things present challenges throughout life. You know, I'm a, I'm a woman, I'm a mom, I've been a wife, I'm a lover, a friend, and, uh, you know, I've had physical challenges, um, emotional challenges, and, and I really don't know anybody who hasn't. So, right, sure. Um, in this, this song to me was really, uh, it's kind of words of encouragement. And I frequently, when I write, I'm talking to you, but I'm also talking to me, you know, right. we preach, we saying, preach to ourselves right. in music, don't yeah. we? Yeah. And, and there's something, you know, how it's so easy to tell somebody else how to help themselves. And it's so hard to hear it for yourself as a songwriter in an effort to help other people. I'm saying, you know, it's just a mountain. You can do it. Just, you know, uh, you'll get over it. And then it kind of comes right back at me. It's like, Jen, you have to believe what you are preaching. You have to, yeah. you know, walk the walk, not just talk the talk. So uh, I do try to internalize that message. And basically it is, a, it's a hopeful song. And I really do want people to feel a sense of hope from the song that just don't, don't quit. It's just a mountain. You'll, you'll, when, if you get up it, you'll be able to come down it, but you can't quit. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And you know what I saw I, uh, in doing my, my limited research on you, uh, I saw you, by the way, your videos are great. Um, Thank you. They, they really, and uh, we'll, we'll give some links to the people to, to check great. it out. Yeah, just, I'd love for people to check them out. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just Google uh, Jenna Torres and, and you'll find it. But I want to talk about the next song and we'll get into more stuff. Um, sure. Prayers Up. Tell me yeah. how that came about and then we'll take a break and have our audience listen to it. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, to me, uh, prayer is a universal conversation. I sure. don't consider it to be uh, exclusive to any particular faith. I just think it is exclusive, exclusive to faith in general. And it is a way of uh, expressing one's need for, you know, for, for help. Uh, it's, it's a conversation with whomever mm -hmm. your higher power is. And, um, I frequently find certainly being on social media, you know, people asking for prayers on yeah. a daily basis, uh, people faced with tremendous challenges and asking for a friend, asking for my mom, asking for my, you know, my husband or wife, you know, I just found this very consistent uh, message, which is please pray for me, play, you know, keep me in your prayers. And I mean, I, I honestly have chills because mm. I, I feel like it's the, it's the easiest thing to do. It is free. It is to, to welcome someone else into your prayers and to say, you know, today I'm not only praying for my own family, but I'm praying for yours too. I'm mm. not only praying for my safety, the safety of my child, my, my loved ones, but I am praying for the Ukraine. I am praying for the world. I am asking that whatever, whoever shines down on us, don't forget to keep shining because we need you, you know? And, uh, you know, I kind of having had my own dark moments sure. and knowing that when you get to the very bottom, that, that mustard seed of faith, really what it does is it inspires us to not give up. 
you know, I mean, you kind of, you think you're going to give up and you think, I can't take this anymore. And this is too much for me. But somehow down at the bottom, we tend to look up. We want, we tend to look up and reach up for something. And, you know, prayers up is my way of, uh, of saying, I'm here. I'm going to pray for you. Please pray for me. Let's just, let's just put our energy together collectively and personally and believe, just believe, believe that things can turn around, believe that things can get better because we do live in very challenging times, both personally and globally. And I think, I do think the least we can do for one another is to believe in each other, to be kind to one another and to pray for one another. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to tell you a quick prayer story that I had, uh, which really kind of blew my socks off. I was, I was helping this elderly man his daughter, who happened to be a preacher out west somewhere, gave me a call to check on dad. And at that time, I was going through one of my many job changes. And I said, hey, you know, would, would you say a prayer for me? Maybe because she was a pastor. I just kind of said that. And she goes, yeah. okay. And she goes, can I pray for you right now? And I said, <laughs> yeah, sure, while I was on the phone, you know. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm not. I'm, I'm not you're used getting to this. it. You're getting the goods like right then and there. Yeah. It's better <laughs> than the, the prayer hand emojis and stuff like that. Sure. And you know, yes. uh, it just, it just put everything in a different perspective. And here I go talking myself and we're supposed to talk about your song. No, no, that's fine. The, the, the power of prayer us, and, yeah. and the impact that it can make on uh, moving you forward up that mountain. is kind of, yes, that's kind right. Of cool. Those songs All right, kind so, of belong together. Yeah. So without further ado, because yes. they're, 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 they're fighting to hear this song. Let's have a listen to Prayers Up. We'll be right back after the song. Check it out, everybody. Counting bottles in the trash She thinks it's too much to ask Mercy on a Thursday afternoon She hasn't made her bed in weeks She's lying there afraid to speak And she can't bring herself to leave this room The only way to heal the hurt inside Bow your head And surrender to the sky Sending prayers up Can you rain your blessings down? Prayers up Can you spread your love around? Are we too broken to believe? Can't you tell how bad we needed sending prayers? Daddy's waiting on a downtown train Pick his little girl up in the rain Get her home for supper just in time She said, Mama left us late last year I still miss her, how about you? Baby, even grown men need to cry The only way Bow your head and surrender to the sky, sending prayer. 
Everybody, welcome back. This is Steve Yusko. I am so happy. I'm telling you, I'm getting, I'm tickled pink here to speak to Jenna Torres. We're having such a good time chatting with each other. It's like, I, I said, it's like speed dating. You know, we've yes. never met. Right. We're meeting online, but we're we're finding some we're connection, which yes, I feel very blessed. Exactly. We're digging. We're digging deep. Yeah. Why not go go into, as I think it's in the Bible, go into the deep. Dare to go oh, into yeah. the deep. That's right. right? Beautiful. So I'm interested in your take of when you first got into the music business yeah. and where it is now. I have some opinions, but I'm really interested in your perspective on things. Sure. Um, well, I've been around for a while, and I can remember some of the first meetings I took in the music industry where at that time, uh, your only chance was to get a record deal and to be sanctioned by right. a major label or any label. And if, if you didn't have label support or the support of, you know, the people who basically said you're allowed to be an artist, um, nothing was going to happen. Mm. And uh, I mean, right. I remember like standing on people's desks, putting my cassette in, auditioning, you know, like doing all, all kinds of crazy stuff just to get people to say, yes, we'll give you a development deal. Yes, we'll take you on. And, uh, but, and, and in those days, there were just a bunch of guys in suits behind desks. You know, there were the A&R people who, right. would, you know, scour the clubs. They'd pick us out of the crowd. You know, they'd, they'd pick us up. They'd say, come on in for a meeting. You'd, you know, your heart would be, you know, in your throat. You'd be like, in your throat. yeah, yeah, yeah sure. because um, without the being sanctioned, without being accepted, uh, you were never going to get a chance in music. And so the fundamental difference between what's happening now versus what was happening then is that the people have power now. You know, we have, mm. we have social media, we have freedom, we have recording studios in our bathrooms, we have things, we can do any number of things. I mean, back, back when it was two inch tape that you had to splice and every roll, you know, you could, I mean, the, and the masters were owned by the record companies and you just didn't have the autonomy right. and the voice that you have now. And uh, yeah, I mean, we have so much more control over our, our creativity for sure. Um, whether or not mm -hmm. we have control over our success, you know, that is just going to be always the, the big, big conundrum. How do you do yeah. it? We make music because we can't help ourselves. And then turning it into a, right. a, 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 you know, commerce versus art is just, they're weird bedfellows, you know, to put a price tag on your heart and soul is very tough. And, uh, you know, we make this stuff, we, we, out of our blood, sweat and tears, we love what we do and we want you to hear it. But um, how to go about that is, 
it's it's like it's a slippery fish it's always changing it's always moving one week the algorithms are doing this the next week they're doing that (laughs) and then you know there still remains of course the echelon which at the top of the of the food chain are still labels with millions and millions of dollars they dominate you know the airwaves the the um you know the the top tier radio and all of that is still bought and paid for by you know the top tier and and sometimes Mm. people break through and do incredible things i mean my goodness you know miracles happen you know in this day and age because you can build a following build an audience you know win hearts over and then show up on the doorstep of a of a major corporation and say i've already got 10 million of this or 5 million of that and you know just you know give me some money and i can do the rest kind of a thing you know whereas in the old days you know people were developed and you couldn't do much without you know somebody having deep pockets backing yeah exactly you know, you, you you bring up a good point because I was I was literally on a phone. I won't mention the guy yesterday. Okay. I'll call him an older curmudgeon <laughs> from Long Island yeah. who uh, had the opportunity as a, a young man to uh, spotlight Bruce Springsteen wow. and all these famous people in a local club, mm-hmm. right? And I called him. Uh, I called him to be on the podcast. He actually referred me to another guest, which was great. But he he went he went right off the bat complaining about. How lousy things are. Like, hey, how can you make money doing a yeah. podcast? It's crazy, this and that, you know? And I'm like thinking, I'm like, well, this may be naive of me. I'm not doing it to make money, obviously. Right. But I'm doing it because, honestly, I like talking to people like you yeah. and finding out the secret sauce of what you did. Not that I'm going to do anything with it, but I just find it just fascinating, you know, of where you go. How do you keep on going? How do you keep right. How do you keep the creative juices going? Yes. And now it's, you know what, it's in your DNA, right? Yes. So this is what you, this is what, what you, do. you do. And if you find yourself you, yeah. focused, overly focused on like your curmudgeon friend, you know, thinking about how you make a living at it, how you, why people, why you can or, or can't break through, it can get very depressing and demoralizing. And sure. I think artists are sensitive to begin with. So we are vulnerable and we are susceptible to despair when things are not going well but we rally because we're sustained by the music we're sustained by the art we're sustained by the incredible blessing of being able to express ourselves self-expression to me is 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 critical in any life i don't think there's i don't i don't think any one of us needs it more than any other one of us we all need to Mm -hmm. express ourselves Mm -hmm. you know people express themselves through music are very fortunate because we really get it out you know we really have a way of like exteriorizing our hearts our souls our troubles our triumphs we have a way of taking it from the inside and getting it out i think it's very healthy you know that we are able to kind of recycle and um reconfigure all of our life experiences and make something beautiful out of it make something that i can actually give to you but i think everybody needs a way of kind of getting it out you know and um yeah so let, let, let's talk about it. i'm going to cut you yeah. off because i'm from new york yeah, yeah. and that's what, that's we, what do. we do we're rude yeah no problem so that's what we yeah. do so get used to it you know it's my time <laughs> of now course. all right go it's my it, time to talk it. now <laughs> So we, we were touching, I don't know if we did this online or offline, we were talking about, you know, uh, appearances, people oh, yeah. see things first, I want to be that shiny object that right. they can look at, and then then they'll hear me, maybe maybe they'll listen to me, then they'll hear me, then they'll get right. it, type exactly. of thing, right? Yeah. 
Now, now let's take let's take that and talk about social media because I found some younger guys, the Como brothers. I keep thinking about these guys. They're like the Everly brothers. Okay. They're full time musicians, phenomenal guys. Yeah. They literally put a song out every two weeks. Boom, boom, Amazing. boom. Yeah. Right? Collaborative. They've got the social media thing down. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to throw an analogy at you. What's interesting, and I think it can be a generational divide with some people yes. who don't have publicists and people people to do that thing for them. Uh, and you said it before. Hey, we all have our own little studios mm-hmm. in our bathroom. Right. We all have our cameras. Yeah. You know, we've got our production right here in the iPhone. That's right. So I almost, I almost, this just came to my mind. It, it's akin to fishing in that I have a tackle box of social media with a bunch of different lures in it. And I'm going to use a lure for TikTok and a lure for Instagram and a lure for Facebook. Right. And I'm telling you, it's a full-time job. Yes, right? yes it is. You, you got to do goofy stuff sometimes to be the shiny penny. Right. Um, but I tell you, even me, even lowly Steve Yusko with the Long Island Sound podcast, got guests off of TikTok. Yeah. I don't know how. Right. And I'm not TikToking every day. But and you did it. China finds you, my face. You have been able but to, I did yeah. it, and I found people. Yeah, absolutely. People can be found. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the other thing that's so different is that if, if you weren't formally sanctioned by big corporations, no one could find you. They wouldn't even know you were there. You know, I mean, I remember... Right when we used to take like paste and plaster our posters in the, you know, in the dead of night, because it was illegal to put up, you know, flyers and posters, you know, right, sure. that yep. was about as, construction site media and... as we got was that we would like cover, you know, construction sites with, uh, with pasted, you know, uh, posters saying, I'm going to be at CBGB's. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be there. You know, we didn't have the network that people have now. I mean, literally you can, a million people can know what you're doing through social media or a hundred or a thousand or however many you can reach. But, um, you know, we, you can reach the world, whether, you know, it's in a small way or a big way or a massive way. And that is a byproduct of, you know, technology and the times that we're living in. And that's nothing to sneeze at. You know, we can, we can reach each other in a very profound way. So yeah, we should be rejoicing. Now now you, you brought, you brought up a nugget of a story talking about research and connectivity, yes. which still blows my mind. Do you want to tell the audience about it? Because well, it's just, I'm, I'm just like, I'm pitching myself. No way. Well, right? I, I don't them, often the story. share this, but I'm going to do it with you because it's, it, it's too Thank wonderful you. and synchronistic. Um, you know, we did, <laughs> this was a last minute speed date between you and me. We, we didn't really plan on this. It just happened. Um, and so I didn't have time to really dig too deep into what you do and what you're all about. I'm, I'm really enjoying discovering it, you know, in the moment. But I did notice right away <laughs> you. that you seem to absolutely love uh, someone that I know well and have known for many, many, many years because I was his background vocalist uh, on the Bad Out of Hell tour with uh, when he was opening for Meatloaf. Um, and that is wow. Elliot Murphy, uh, <laughs> the Garden City Prophet. And... Um, Yes, I love Elliot. And, uh, you know, of course, I was a baby when, uh, when, when I did that, (laughs) still, you know, basically a toddler, let's just say, but um, it was an incredible experience to work with Elliot. He is a tremendously talented person, a gifted artist in, in addition to being 
the most wonderful person. And I know that you know that, Agreed. right? He's just a sweetheart. Oh, uh, yeah. And you know what? It's because I, I feel like such a knucklehead, you know, that I that did, you know, he was from a different it, era but, than but I. He, He's standing right next to me at the Long Island yeah. Music Hall of Fame. Yeah. I have a microphone in my hand. I ask him to be on the podcast. He says yes. And he didn't realize. And then I look him up and I'm like, holy crap. Yes, right. He's got a Google list, yeah, you know, 10 I know, miles long. I know. And he's and so prolific exactly. and so brilliant. He's he's just a brilliant, brilliant guy. And, uh, you know, and he did yeah. move to France. So, you know, a lot of Americans didn't have the benefit of watching him, you know, his career, which. Well, now on the end- Long Island Sound podcast, yes. they're going to learn yes, about yeah. him. Look Everybody up the Elliot Murphy Elliot episode. episode. Absolutely. Cause he, he, it's, so, so just a snippet. For those who don't know, Elliot Murphy was basically earmarked along with Loudon Wainwright III, John Prine, and Bruce Springsteen as the next Bob Dylan. Yes, yes. And let's leave it there because there's so much, so much to, to discover talk. in a really great, uh, a, a great man. Yeah. So it's funny. We talked about the connectivity of the musical community. Yeah. We didn't know each other no. before this. We got connected <laughs> yeah. through your publicist, which thank God for yeah. that. And I thank know you, she's Crystal. listening. Love on. you. <laughs> thank, thank you, Crystal. Uh, so that's 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 wonderful. So you got you, you learned your chops uh, oh, with yes. some of the masters. I did. So I'm Absolutely. finding out. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I love that you love that's Elliot because he's so worthy of love. Yeah. It, I, you know, I got to do another. Uh, I'm going to make. Uh, we're going to make Elliot listen to this. Okay. And uh, I got to get it. I, I got to. I'm going to make him Elliot. do it. Uh, yeah. Like. <laughs> and uh, you know, I I want to get him uh, back because this. Oh you know, yeah, you could. It's you one could of those interviews you leave going. Them, yeah. There's so much more oh, yeah, here. So much more. You know. He's he's rich. <laughs> hey, let's. So now you know a lot of your songs have a spiritual connotation to it. Yeah. And then you come out. Yeah. With this Tennessee Heat song, which I don't know if it has the explicit thing marked off on on the CD or whatever, but <laughs> it's hot. Tell me a bit. Uh, <laughs> I'm joking, yeah. of course. Tell me a little bit about Tennessee Heat. I don't want to know too many details because okay. you know, I gotta... yeah, <laughs> you got we got to keep this PG or G rated. Um, well, I'll tell you. You know, I think that that I am. I find it interesting, you know, we all are everything. All people are everything. We are kind of saints and sinners. We are good and, you know, I wouldn't say bad, but I think we all have uh, a rather, a full spectrum of curiosity, of emotion. And I tend to have extreme connection to my spiritual life, but I'm also a very sensual person and truly enjoy Mm -hmm. uh, and passionate person. And, uh, and as a songwriter, you know, love is honestly my favorite subject and love and passion. <laughs> and, you know, when I when I wrote this this song and I, all the songs in this record, when they came together and I was looking at them as a whole, um, I could see there's this kind of dichotomy between the sexy stuff, the super sexy stuff. I've got a bunch of really sexy songs on this record. Then I have a bunch of really right. spiritual songs on this record. And I was sort of challenged by some people, like, how can you put them both on one, in one project? It's life. But to me, that is life. You can't really, I don't have one without yeah. the other. They, they kind of, uh, they really they they co-mingle. co-mingle. So Tennessee Heat is um, both, it's really an ode to my, 
newfound love of Tennessee. Uh, you know, I came, I came down here with absolutely no awareness that I could ever love any place other than New York. I'm a hardcore New Yorker, born and raised. I raised my, my uh, daughter there and, um, you know, my family's there. And I just never thought I could love another place uh, because New York has everything. Mm -hmm. But I was wrong. I was, sure, center of yes, the world, right? But I yeah. was wrong. Uh, because um, <laughs> Tennessee and Nashville in particular has uh, has given me a sense of community, like a, a tribal community where I, as oh, a nice. person, as an artist, um, it's self-explanatory. I don't have to say anything. All my friends and the people that I work with down here, my musical community and comrades, we just understand each other. And I never thought that nice. would happen, you know, that I would find a family away from my family that... Um, kind of you know how your family gets you well my musical family right, gets sure. me, and uh that's that's a thrill to be understood on that level so the song is um ten i find nashville and tennessee a very sexy place it gets really hot the less you wear the more comfortable you're gonna feel and uh right i'm liking and, that and it is well, it's, it's depends. kind of depends on the person it, it's it's uh it does depend, <laughs> depend on the person but there's a freedom to it because in, in very hot places, you know, people just let it all hang out and have a good time. And, uh, you know, it gets hot and steamy and um, it's, it's, a, it's a good place for uh, very passionate uh, experiences. Let's just put it that way. And um, I, wrote ten I wrote Tennessee Heat is a song that to me speaks not only to my love of, you know, a, a romance, of a, a Tennessee romance, but also to my love of this place. Uh, I really fell in love with Tennessee. And if you do go see the video, yes. um, you know, we did a lot of drone shots that were these incredible, expansive um, images of Tennessee. We recorded that we shot the video on a tobacco farm on the Kentucky border. And it is so oh, wow. beautiful. The country is so beautiful. It's just breathtaking. You know, in, in my opinion, Tennessee yes. is a star of that video. And uh, I'm very proud uh, of what we did because I really wanted to really feature the beauty of and landscape of, of Tennessee, which is breathtaking. Yeah. Wonderful. All right, everybody. Now, with that introduction, you got to listen to Tennessee Let's Heat. Go. And we'll be right back <laughs> after the song. After I cool, I got to cool up after the song. So. Hang with us, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Eight o'clock and the setting sun shines like fire in your eyes. We got nothing to do but do what we do when that feeling strikes. Well, it's hot like a match and hard like a hammer. Let's not get off track. Baby, I want you and you want me. And there ain't no turning back. pointed south there's moonlight on the river and the night can't cool us down 
Across the sky, burning with desire. He rises from this heart of mine, and the flames are growing higher. Well, it's raging and it's fast and it's wild and it's loud. All the water in the Cumberland, well, he could. Everybody, Steve Yusko here with Jenna Torres, and we just listened to Tennessee Heat. What a great song! I have to take a sip of wine now because I'm really overheating. <laughs> and uh, man, I wish you such great, great success with this music. Thank you. So, Thank tell you me, what do you, what do you got coming up? What's, what's the next release for Jenna Torres? So, the next release is um, the full album. Uh, it's entitled Heaven and Hurt, and I think we're gonna listen to that. Uh, at the end of the show, um, or whenever it is that you splice with splices hey, together, you're, you're the artist. I'm, you tell me what to do. I'm yes, uh, I'm married. And, I'm used uh, to direction. So okay, good. Um, <laughs> it comes out on March 24th. I'm excited to say, and uh, we started recording this album actually pre-COVID, and oh. uh, and then you know it's it was thwarted, and then we came back. Um, uh, two years later and finished it. So I'm mm. very, very excited to finally share this music. 
And, um, and the title track, Heaven and Hurt, was written kind of after, after the rest of it, because I really felt like uh, this, the, the record itself has a kind of a full spectrum of experience and emotion. And like we were saying uh, a few moments ago, um, I am both a very spiritual and very sensual person. I, mm-hmm. I have a, a, a very active kind of spiritual connection in life and a very active, you know, sort of physical uh, love of, of experience. Of, of you got actual, the whole package going. I right. got the whole package going. All right. And um, there are songs that, are, that address uh, all those different kind of aspects of, of my life experience on the record. And I felt like, I needed a bridge between them. I needed to explain, not explain, mm. but sort of make a, a like a holographic picture of why this, why I have this expansive or full spectrum view of life. And okay. that is because I see the heaven and the hurt in life. And uh, that you can't really have one without the other. Life is not exclusively good or exclusively bad. As a matter of fact, sometimes good and bad things happen a breath apart, you know, uh, or simultaneously. Yeah, the, weed, the weed with the wheat, right? The weed with the wheat. And so um, that is kind of what this song is about, is about fully embracing the reality that you can, you know, we, you can rejoice and be weeping in the same in the same right. moment. You can have reasons, cause for rejoicing, things that feel like blessings and things that feel like burdens, and uh, that that's life. That is life. That we don't so get me, to have just one or the other. Yeah. I want to ask you this about the release because I've seen a different trend of things mm-hmm. where you'll have some artists that'll put out single after single in short period of times, EPs. Yes you know, three or four songs. Did you do a combination of that or did you wait? Are you waiting to do like the full album? I definitely did a combination of that. I've, I've released quite a few singles off the record. Um, all of them you heard today, uh, you know, uh, just a mountain prayers up Tennessee heat. Um, is that it? I think that might be it. Uh, for this so, so so you're kind of, keeping your audience engaged, I think is, is yes. the way to do it's it. It's kind of, you roll it out or you work your way up to it, you know, kind of right, ramping right. up to the full release. And, um, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I enjoy giving people, the fact is people really listen to one song at a time. And, you know, uh, mm-hmm. I'd love to think that people are going to put the album on and listen to the whole thing from beginning to end. But, you know, a lot of unlikely, times, right it's unlikely, especially in today's world where it's not an LP thing and, and you don't have the distraction of a million other things. You know, people don't go to their bedroom, excuse me, with an LP, put it on, hold it, read the liner notes. You know, it's like, it used to be right. like a religious experience to get an album and listen to it from beginning to end. And people had the bandwidth and the attention span to do that. I don't know that we, you know, as a, a whole, I think people have much shorter attention spans and you're lucky if they make it through. You, you might bring up a good point then. In in fact, the switching from waiting till you have an, uh, a full album of songs, right? From, mm-hmm. And I, I'm asking this in a way. Yes, from an sure. artist's perspective, if you approach it and say EPs didn't exist, okay? Mm-hmm. So you're taking a group of songs, say let's 20 songs, mm-hmm. but you're going to whittle it down to 12 
Yeah. I would assume from an artist's perspective, you're looking for the continuity between the songs in the old days to move from, okay, yeah, this has to be the first song on side one. And yeah. it needs to lead into this, into that. That seems to be gone, you know. It uh, does seem to be gone. Right? It's it 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 is gone largely. I mean, obviously mm. some people still focus on that, but not so much anymore. You know, right, you're right. you're you're kind of shooting your best shot or you're you know, yeah, I mean, it, things happen one at a time right now. Right. Because um, we just don't have the luxury of patience. You know, people just are not patient. You know, right. people are extremely, extremely impatient. We've lost touch with patience, I think, um, which is unfortunate because, you know, to really listen deeply, you need patience. You can't you know, rush. That's what I pray for. Yeah. Someday it'll patience. come. I'm still waiting. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm not a very patient person, but I know that the power of music kind of grounds me in a place where I'm like, I'm willing to shut out everything and just listen. It's magic what music can do. You know, you hear it and then you kind of follow along. It's almost like the Pied Piper. You just follow the flute, you know, into the right. ocean of music and it takes you somewhere else. It takes you out of the, you know, the mundane. It takes you out of your head. It takes you into your heart and it takes you someplace you weren't expecting to go and uh you know and and if you got three minutes and 30 seconds you can get there and you can have that whole experience like a live a whole life in a very short period of time which is why i feel like again to say again that a song is a perfect vehicle for not only emotion but like a, a life experience you can have an experience by listening to a song which i just love yeah, you know love you know it's that. funny you you tied right into my catchphrase which is be generous with your joy, keep your spirits high, and let the music take you on a journey. Ah, so you kind perfect. of you've, you've, you've <laughs> summed it up, the, the journey part, Wonderful. and the tail end of that. And with that, let's take a listen to Heaven and Hurt, and we'll be right back with Jenna Torres. And I feel like this is an exclusive, so at least in my mind. <laughs> that it is. <laughs> Heaven and Hurt. We'll be right back after the song. Sometimes we both want the same thing Sometimes we both want it all We fly so high Shooting stars in the sky Till we burn out and take that free fall Every wave that we ride We hold on side by side Knowing we're both heading home as hard as we try to make sense of this life We're all in this together alone When everything breaks here on earth Hearts and bones and our self-worth When it all shatters, remember you matter Cause that's just how love Just here for a good time I'm here for the time of my life Oh, it's 
Hi, everybody. We're back. I'm telling you, this has really been a lot of fun, Jenna, uh, talking to you, going, in, fun for me too, going into the deep. I'm yeah. so excited about your new album, Heaven and Hurt. Thank it you. really sums things up in a great way. And I encourage all, all my listeners to, to really check it out. There's really a diversity in Jenna's music. I don't like to pin anybody down to a genre, which opens up the Good. world to things. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know, once... Some people like to be so, defined. Some people need things in, you know, perpendicular and parallel lines. Not me. Yeah, not me. Just, either. just hear the music and let it, yeah, let come, it become your sound. Check it out, and, and I'm easy to find if you want to come and say hi. So, so we're looking for this to be uh, out on March 24th. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Are you going to follow up with any any um, festivals or or, or support uh, well, of it, or how do you approach that? Um, I definitely will be playing uh, live. I know that I'm going to be playing here in Nashville on May 13th at the five spot for anybody who's going to be around locally. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm going to post, I'll post on all my social media, various gigs. And, stuff and like that what, that what's your website, up. Jenna? It's Jenna, uh, Jenna Torres.com. Oh, very easy. All right, cool. Uh, so that's easy. And then, uh, you know, I think if you really want to engage with me, then Facebook um, and, and Instagram are probably the best places to do it. Excellent. Yeah. So I have a good yeah. friend of mine, and this I end my uh, podcast many times this way because it really hit home with me. Uh -huh. And uh, he actually was uh, Joe Torres. Joe, Joe Torrey oh. Oh, from Joe the Torrey. Mets was at a yeah, golf sure. outing with my friend Bob. And Bob was poo-pooing his 
activity and volunteerism in this particular event. And Joe Torrey said to him, he said, look, he goes, you know, you can count for what you have in the bank, what you own. You can never account for the time you have left on this earth. And the fact that you, Jenna Torres, have given me your time is a blessing, and I really appreciate it. So, uh, Thank you, Stephen. I feel just the same way about you. Yeah, you've given me your time, and it's a, it's a pleasure to have the opportunity to connect with your audience. So thank All you. Right. Yeah. All right. So we'll see everybody hanging in. Bye, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. I appreciate the time you spent with us. Please subscribe and comment and visit us at gigdestiny.com. Until next time, be generous with your joy, keep your spirits high, and let the music take you on a journey. Be well. Peace. Thank you.